Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really excited to announce our next guest, and she actually has a story about her son. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tanisha. Tanisha, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? Okay, well, first and foremost, thank you, Becky, for having me as a guest on Cure Chronic. My name is Tanisha, and I'm a mother of two. <laughs> I didn't tell you that, Becky, but I'm expecting a baby girl, 23 weeks, and she's healthy and happy in the womb right now. Congratulations. Um, and I also have... <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's a blessing, rainbow baby, in the, in the midst of everything we're going through this year. Um, it's definitely a nice surprise to have, and um, today I'm talking about my son who's two and a half years old. His name is Jaleel. Um, he can be found on social media. Jaleel is my joy 2020. I've been talking about his story for a while and it took me a while to get there because he was my first baby and his story started out very unique because I was 20 weeks pregnant with him at the time and we were in Arkansas and we were doing the anatomy scan and the doctor found out he had a rare abnormality called lower urinary tract obstruction. And what that is, is basically a backup in the urinary tract. There's like extra skin layer where the amniotic fluid is not able to pass through the urinary tract. And it can cause damage to the lungs, the kidney, and the bladder. And so it was very life-threatening for my son while he was growing in my womb and the doctors really didn't give me good optimistic advice they said that possibly Jalil would be a stillborn or I could terminate or I could carry full term knowing that Jalil wouldn't wouldn't live long because of his, his kidney damages and the lung not developing correctly so I was scared to death and my husband at the time was my advocate and he asked the doctors for other recommendations and thankfully the doctor was able to recommend uh, different facilities around our area Texas and Philadelphia and also Cincinnati Ohio and I'm originally from Ohio Columbus to be exact and so we went down there for fetal care intervention and at that point I was flagged as a high-risk pregnancy even though I was healthy baby was not so I was flagged as high risk and we spent m months there in Cincinnati until Jalil was born in January and at the time they still didn't know for certain whether their intervention would help because um, they put a shunt in Jalil's kidney his right kidney and I, I was awake at the time when they did the procedure but first they had put some fluid around him so that he can have a chance with his lungs developing and then I had some steroid shots but after the procedure he was born January 19 2018 and immediately after holding him for a few few minutes he was rushed to the NICU and he spent 157 days combined with Cincinnati Children's Hospital and Arkansas Children's Hospital and when he got to Arkansas Children's he had chronic kidney disease they told me he actually had end-stage renal failure stage five which means that he would have to start dialysis immediately and he was only about eight months at the time so it was it was quite a journey Becky to be um, 
real with you. And at that moment, I was glad that Jalil was alive, but I also knew that he was going to have a tough road with having the end-stage renal disease because that's the, the worst that you can have. And so he's currently on dialysis now as a two-year-old, takes several medications, and he does have a G-tube, a feeding tube in his belly. How, that's how he's fed until he's able to take feeds by mouth. And so that's his story in a nutshell. So. Oh, I can only imagine how hard that is, you know, because, yes. you know, little kids are just so innocent. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, what's really frustrating is the fact that the doctors didn't really have any faith in the baby, you know, and that's what really bothers me is, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to have this baby and they're saying like, no, 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 you're going to turn, you should terminate or, you know, maybe stillborn or, you know, and I understand that, you know, you don't want to give false hope, but at the same time, right. maybe they could be on your side as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all I was asking for, like at the time I was numb because I wasn't expecting that news halfway through my pregnancy. Your mind is always thinking everything is all right, you know, from the get go. And when you get this news, it, it catches you off guard. And so, when my husband spoke up and I found out that there was other hospitals that came in contact with the lower urinary tract obstruction diagnosis, Boston and Texas, Houston and Cincinnati, they had a few cases where they were able to intervene successfully. And so I think looking back at that, I just wish that he would have he would have told us that he had other referrals if we were willing to take that chance to go out of state because yes it's a risk and we would have to leave our state where we live but at the same time if he would have just gave us those options we would have been more hopeful and so instead of ending on that dry note of three options so that's what was so tough and still today I'm just thankful Jalil beat those odds and he is alive and even though he has a a long way to go and he's working towards a kidney transplant we're trying to advocate for him to get a kidney donor right now on social media and so I'm hopeful that he'll keep on progressing forward but the fact that he's alive is an incredible miracle (laughs) and he doesn't look like it and that's why I like your platform Becky because when I was reading the description you were just talking about how some of these diagnoses they're, 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 they look like they're invisible, chronic illnesses. Um, when, when you see Jalil on social media, he doesn't look sick, but he is sick. And he takes a lot of medicines and he's on dialysis at night that we do at night as parents at home. And so it's just incredible uh, to know that he's persevered. But a lot of people may think that he's completely healthy when he's really not. <laughs> so it's, it can be frustrating at the same time yeah absolutely and it's so frustrating and that's kind of why i started this because you know if somebody has a chronic illness and they you know they have a good day or they you know or or it's a little boy for example it doesn't mean that they're healthy or they're gonna have a normal life or whatever it is it just means that they're having a day so yeah i mm-hmm. you know and that's what the hardest thing too with with children because people just assume that kids are fine Right, right, (laughs) right. And you don't even think about what could happen. I mean, you have tests during pregnancy, of course, 
and to flag any potential abnormalities but at the same time as new parents you're not even thinking about all that you're just happy to be expecting and so it just threw us for a loop as new parents that this journey would be not only one of those journeys that you look forward to but it was going to be challenging for us for the first time as parents and so we learned a lot at an accelerated pace that I'm just thankful that we're still here <laughs> as a yeah. couple because I've been married to my husband for four years and he's been in the journey just with me committed to it just as I am and so we work hand in hand otherwise I don't think it would have worked out as well as it did because it was a lot of sacrifice on both of our parts so yeah absolutely yeah so what do you think was the hardest thing when you know, I guess when you found out, because you were so shocked that, you know, so what, well, I guess what was the hardest thing that you've had to deal with so far? I think the hardest thing is just comprehending how this small layer of skin that happened to develop on the urinary tract involving the, the bladder, kidneys, and the urethra, I, I was like, wow, this is doing a lot of damage to his kidneys. And, you know, these, his kidneys are forming, but because he didn't have a, a way to release the amniotic fluid, which is pee, essentially, for babies, and they need amniotic fluid around them for cushion. They need amniotic fluid around them to be able to breathe and learn how to breathe and swallow. And so to know that this was something that happens out of, the statistics say one out of 5,000 is 7,000 pregnancies. And I remember my husband trying to make a light, light of the moment, even though it was hard for us to process. He was like, we must be a lucky, lucky couple for that statistic. You know, let's play the lottery next, you know? Because yeah, <laughs> it was like, we were the lucky, <laughs> lucky draw. I don't know. Like, you know, and um, what's funny is now that social media you can find other moms and and dads going through this journey just like you are because at first I was just what was challenging for me is my parents didn't know how to help me because they've never dealt with this and so knowing that I was kind of alone in the journey and then still making critical decisions and not really knowing what potentially could happen because even when the doctors intervened in Cincinnati, Ohio, they always said that there was risk involved in their intervention because the baby is still in my womb. And so there is a potential risk for miscarriage, premature labor, and all, all, all the, the, the um, risks risk are involved when they intervene for me too. So I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I hope that we're making the right decisions, but we won't know until it actually happens. And fortunately, their interventions definitely helped keep him alive in the womb because Jalil was born at almost at 37 weeks. He was 36 weeks and five days. So he was almost on the end of being full term. And so had I not had that intervention, we just sat here in Arkansas and just was hopeful without any action. I, I really believe that the doctor would have been right about his prognosis and saying that it possibly would be a stillborn because then we're not doing anything. And they weren't equipped here. I think that was the fl more frustrating part 
is instead of him saying that we're not equipped to handle something like this, here are some recommendations. He just said the three options. And so that scarred us. You know, it still does when I talk about it. It, it brings some chills to my mind. But I just wish that he would have just been honest enough to say, hey, we're not equipped. And we do have other hospitals should you want to exhaust those options. That would have been much, much better protocol for doctor that we saw. So that was that was mainly my frustration when it came to this journey in the beginning. Absolutely. And I think you're so right there because I don't think, this is just stereotyping here because, you know, there's so many doctors out there, but, you know, I don't think that doctors like being wrong. And so instead of them admitting that they don't know, or they don't have the resources, or they're just, you know, they're out of options and they don't want to recommend something, or they just don't know to recommend something, they just say X, Y, Z this is what we can do for you or this is what we can't do for you. And, and kind of, this is totally off topic here, but you know, what I've come across on my podcast with so many people is when the doctor doesn't know what the diagnosis is for people, they just tell you that it's all in your head and that's what their solution <laughs> is for whatever reason, seriously. And it's just crazy mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, well, I don't have a mental illness and I don't think that I'm making this up, but now you're telling me that you're making it up because you just don't know. And it's what happens right. to you. It's like your doctor didn't tell you that there were other resources, didn't give you that option, but it's like, mm -hmm. why? You know, and that's what's so frustrating. It's always those questions. It's like, why don't they want to help us more? Why don't they tell us about these other resources? Why don't they get us to go to more tests or do something more to help? Because, right. for example, it's like, you know, you didn't want to give up on the pregnancy. So why is no not doing <laughs> everything imaginable trying to find mm -hmm. resources for you. And I understand that doctors are busy and doctors have a lot of patients and that sort of thing. But, you know, it's from the goodness of our hearts that we want to help each other out sort of thing. Why right. Know. Right. And, and, and it's so true, Becky. And I truly believe, like, when I was talking to the doctors down in Cincinnati, and we were still making a lot of critical decisions, and they, were, uh, they weren't as optimistic as we would like them to be, only because there was so much that required for Jalil to be alive. And so they didn't want to give us a false hope. And they said that. And we appreciate their honesty, but they also made an effort and they gave us options to intervene versus saying, we can't do anything for you and turn us away. And so I'm forever appreciative of Good Samaritan Hospital and Cincinnati Children's because they both collaborated to help save our son's life and to this day I'm just thankful for their intervention but I, it made me raise the question like when I was talking to them and even with your, with your comment I feel like the doctors need even when they have the white coat on to consider what if I was in their shoes as a parent what would I like to hear and if they could ask those questions, I think they would be more empathetic to the patient yes, versus 100%. just being the doctor. Because <laughs> yes, I was I like, totally if, you, if this is your child, <laughs> you would think everything in a book, like, I'm going to try everything I can. So that was the most frustrating part. Absolutely. But if they could do that, if they could do that, it could make a world of a difference for all the patients that have chronic illness, truly. Absolutely. And, and their family members too. Like it's, I don't know, in, in, instead of just 
resulting to the unknowns or telling someone it's in their head or telling them that there's no resource. It's like, okay, well, why wouldn't they put themselves in your shoes? Like if you're suffering, if you're in pain, if you're out of options, it's, I don't know. I don't understand. I'm not a doctor though. So I can't really say what they go through on a daily basis. I know they're overwhelmed with like patients and that sort of thing, but I don't think that that makes it right. So, but that's my own opinion. <laughs> oh um, yeah. I did a full research paper just trying to figure out how to bridge the gap between patient and provider communication because I was actually studying for my master's at the time that I was in the NICU with Jalil and it just gave me a, an outlet to resort to to free my mind from a lot of the medical stress but I, I really wanted to research other options and I, a lot of it is just really asking the questions that you and the patient can work together as a team and you allow the patient to really know their options and resources. And if you don't know those resources or you happen to not have the resources yourself, you can always, I know they have a directory for doctors in the area. And so I was just looking, I was so interested in our journey and just realizing what, what is patient provider communication and what is all that about? And I have so many books um, that I use to kind of really figure it out. But a lot of it was just analysis of the patient and what they feel comfortable with. Even when it comes to hospice care, um, having those hardcore conversations with the family and the patient and, and recognizing how can they make this, this end, the, the transition to, to death more comfortable for the patient that's transitioning. And so it's just interesting to me. And I was like, I'm going to save this research paper should I ever have to provide it, <laughs> you know, as a, yeah, as, as a way to help uh, children's here. It would be great, great to read and collaborate on that part. But yeah, there's so many different ways that it can make it much better for the doctor and the patient. And it keeps their reputation high when you serve your patients the way they want to be served that gives you more referrals that gives you mm -hmm. good reviews and so why wouldn't you want to go to the the extent to see how can i help and not rush them out the door you know <laughs> absolutely no it's so true yeah mm -hmm. so so what do you think the best thing has come from all of this i know that there's not really any great things that could come from dealing with what you're dealing with but I would say the best thing that has come from this is just realizing that you have, even in the, this, this skepticism, you still have the opportunity to be positive. I didn't realize like me and my husband were really spiritual and he was talking about law of attraction and how we have to think about the things we want instead of the things we don't want. And all throughout the medical journey, I meditated on things that I wanted Jalil to do or I wanted Jalil to accomplish, and they have come to fruition. And I, I just, I truly believe that the mind is really what you can control. Everything else external, you can't, but you can control what you choose to meditate on, what you choose to read to keep you calm in the journey, because it is overwhelming. And I would say the good that's come out of it is that my son is smiling. My son is full of life. He's not 
the typical dialysis patient I was thinking about where they do their treatment and they come out and it feels super drained. Now, today he did have, this whole week has been challenging for us because he has had some issues with his dialysis treatment. And it's mainly because he, the dialysis makes him nauseous sometimes. And so we're getting some medications for that to kind of alleviate that. But for the most part, Jalil tolerates his dialysis treatment as a two-year-old for nine hours a night. He has 12 medications that he's on and he hasn't shown any severe side effects. And he's also tolerating his fees and growing according to where they want him to grow for the kidney transplant, because that's always been a challenge for us is to get him to grow in weight length for them to fit a kidney, a dog kidney in him. And so to see that he's persevered in the midst of all these medical challenges, and we still got road ahead of us was a kidney transplant and the recovery process for that. But just seeing Jalil overcome several surgeries, 11 to be exact, I, I just really see, see that he has so much zeal, you know, and that gives me the extra push that I need as his mom to say, hey, everything's going to be all right because my son, he's overcoming it. He, he's really doing the hard part. I'm just making the decisions and being his advocate, but he's really enduring the physical, physical intervention part of it, of the medical journey. And so I just, I just love seeing his life. I love being able to, to connect with special needs moms online and NICU moms online. And I actually have collaborated with some and I made a graduation project called Medical Moms of NICU where I can reach out to NICU moms and special needs moms and we can collaborate and share resources and dialogue so that we can encourage each other because it is challenging. So there's so many things, Becky, that have come from this and even seeing my family and my friends support us through the journey when we were out of state for so many months and coming home and transitioning back and Jalil got a whole bunch of gifts because I didn't get a traditional baby shower. I was so busy trying to save my son's life, but Jalil still received no, a, a number of gifts that he can even pass down to his baby sister because he didn't get to use a lot of them because he was in the hospital. So I, I'm just thankful for seeing it the blessings overflow in my family and being able to help those who are in the journey, the beginning stages of this. And when they see Jalil's story and they say, I feel encouraged because at first I, I got those options that the doctor told me. And when I put that Jalil's alive and he's pursuing his destiny, they're just so grateful. And so I, I, I just, I think this whole journey has come full circle in itself to be able to help other moms that are unfortunately in this journey are similar journeys like what we've endured and being able to be on the other side and say, hey, I've been there. You might want to try this. You might want to try that and um, to pay it forward. And so it's a blessing. It's really a blessing. That's awesome. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a huge believer of the law of attraction. I think that that's awesome. But, you know, creating a community of people that can help each other out is huge because there's, you know, your family is one thing, which is, you know, they're always going to be there, 
they're always going to be there to help you out and they love you unconditionally but when you have a community of people that are going through something similar as you and you can just mm -hmm. resonate with them and they understand it's it's this type of communication i think that is on a totally deeper level and i think that's what really helps us like our souls and accept right. that, accept what's going on, and and be able to be strong on a on a regular basis to per, like push through what we're going through, sort of thing. So I'm super yes. excited that you do have such a great community of people um, to help you out through this, as well as you helping other people with it. Because you know that's what we need to do is we need to help each other out in order to move forward, in order to get better, in order to to be happy. Right, definitely. And if you know knowledge, why not share it? You know, because I wish I, I wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I had someone yeah. to kind of tell me what this was about, but I had to find out myself. Yeah. And so basically, yeah. And and and, and so I I feel and, and, and empathize with the women that reach out to me. The few that have, I I've been where they are, and I'm like, I don't want you to feel like you don't have any hope. I will tell you what worked for us and I hope it works for you now. There's been a few instances that it didn't work out the way they thought it would, but they were just grateful that I even gave them other options other than what the doctor said. And so I I truly believe it's, it's, it's definitely a blessing when you can share information and collaborate mm -hmm. because we all need each other at the end of the day, especially when you have a chronic illness, you need support, so. Yeah, you need support. You need that outlet as well. You need to, to talk about what you're going through, but you also need to advocate for yourself and, and for others as well. It's like, you know, for, for me with a chronic illness, it's like, okay, well, if I meet somebody else that's suffering with Crohn's disease, for example, and I get connected with them, okay, well, here's what worked for me. Maybe you can try it. And if they get better, well, you know, then I know that I've done something right. And I think, right. you know, that for me is so rewarding and it's, it makes it so that other people stop suffering. And I think that that's so important, especially in the chronic community, because nobody, nobody needs to suffer, like nobody, <laughs> but it, it still happens. And so that's why we just need to stay connected and, and keep working together, regardless of if we have different diseases too. It's like, you know, I can empathize with what you're going through. I can only imagine how hard it is, but I'm so grateful that you have a community of people that you can talk to that you can be with that you that can help you and that you can help them like it's it's so important yes definitely and i've even put myself to a point where i'm i know that the nikki journey is so unique and colorful that some of the moms don't have the same outcome as what we've endured and for them to share their story with me i learned so much from them i learned how to stay grateful because it is very challenging to to not be in your own little four walls and 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 just complaining about what you're going through. Oh, but when <laughs> when you when you talk to someone else and you hear their story and what they're enduring, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, let me check my emotions. Let me check. It's not it's not so bad as I think it is. Totally. It could always be worse. And even though that sounds cliche literally it, it it really means it means a lot when you can talk to someone and you can get a different perspective of life and a different view of what they're going through chronically and you may not understand everything that they're going through but it does make you feel more grateful for your journey and so i just love connecting with people not just 
those who are kidney moms, but just in the NICU mom community, in the special needs community, because I'm learning so much. I just talked to a mom the other day, and she has multiple children, and two of them are special needs. And um, when, when she mentioned that has epilepsy, and that's a different world than mine. And so, and then she's also raising two children that are autistic. So I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm just concentrated on Jaleel, you know? And it, yeah. it feels like my, 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 my load is not as heavy as hers, but then she admires me and I admire her. So I just think it's a mutual respect. No, no, no need to compare and contrast and say, oh, I'm going through worse than you. But I just think it, it, does, it does matter. Even when you say Crohn's disease, you know, I'm like, wow, what's that world about? You know, yeah. <laughs> because I, it's, it's definitely one of those things where you, you, you expand yourself when you hear someone else's story and you realize what they're going through. And it, it makes you feel like, hey, you know, we need each other to lift each other up. We may not understand everything that everyone's going through, but at least try to show that support and concern and be genuine, you know, yeah. so. Absolutely. I think that's so important for sure. So if you can go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would it be? What would it be? <laughs> oh, this is a good question. I've seen this question before um, we had the podcast and I said, wow, what do I tell them? tell my youngest self I would tell my youngest self that you need to be flexible I feel like this journey made me flexible I'm so rigid and I plan everything out and I want a concrete plan of my life path <laughs> and Jaleel he just shook it all the way up I was oh, yeah, ambitious <laughs> and, and I was getting my degrees and I, I had a, a whole timeline on what I wanted to do with my degree. And, and now he's, he's in the picture and I'm a stay-at-home mom, medical mom, and I'm not working like I would do traditionally after grad school. And so <laughs> I would just say, be flexible and just know that motherhood is colorful. I, I I wasn't given a heads up from my mom. She couldn't see seen this futuristic, otherwise she would be a psychic. But I didn't realize that motherhood is very complex. And even when I think about it too, motherhood is a blessing because there's so many couples struggling with infertility issues, miscarriages. I've been there with the miscarriages. And so it's a blessing to be able to give life. And so I would just tell myself to be flexible and just know that motherhood is very colorful and your motherhood journey may not look like everyone else, but embrace it because it was meant for you and no one else. So I would just tell myself that and appreciate it. I think that's so important because, you know, there are so many people on my podcast that are just like that, that are like, okay. This is how my life's going to be. This is when I'm going to get married. This is when I'm going to end up. Right. This is blah, 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 blah. And then, the, and then they get a chronic illness. And then it's like, what do I do now? Right. <laughs> you know, and, you know, in, in terms of, you know, motherhood, I think that you're so, so right. Because there are so many people out there that don't have the ability that have to have children. And they would be such mm -hmm. great parents where they grow up thinking like they want a big family. And then they find out that 
you know, unfortunately they can't have the kids or they just go through tragedy after tragedy. And it's just, Mm-hmm. I, I don't even have words for I've never experienced that like I I haven't tried to have kids I don't know if I really want kids I'm just I'm I for me I I don't want to have a child go through what I went through because it was mm-hmm. too hard and so for right. me I just that's kind of what's powering my desire to just not have children but Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really admire women that do have kids and that have lots of kids because it is such a special, special thing to give life and to have a family and to have someone look up to you all the time and just have them say like, oh, I love you, mom. Like, it's just the cutest thing. Right, right. Yeah. And it's it's definitely pushed me and grown me in such a way like I didn't mm-hmm. see coming like just I remember just even in this medical journey as we speak about chronic illness having white white coat syndrome where you're afraid of doctors every time they come yeah. in the room you get anxious overly anxious and you start having just a lot of negative thoughts in your head but when Jalil came into picture I had to quickly get myself together because I was at that point making life's life decisions for him and so I had to really take the opportunity to feel my emotions in my own private time but when it came to the care conferences be ready to ask questions be ready to understand what what the options are for my son and advocate for him and so I just I truly appreciate how he's grown me and he's only two and a half but he's just shown me so much about how amazing it is to speak your truth speak your truth and for the longest it was hard for me especially with someone in authority that's walking around in a white coat how do I tell them you know my needs are how do I express how how to help my son get better without breaking down crying (laughs) every time that I'm in contact and so I just really appreciate um, now I can walk into the room with mass doctors and not feel intimidated. And I think it came from the education. It came from asking specific questions from the specialty doctors and getting to know their roles for my son and their intentions for my son and being involved in his son, in my son's care. Because as soon as I became involved with it and started helping with the nurses, then I felt just as knowledgeable as they did. <laughs> Sometimes if I'm not careful, I may sound like a doctor, you know, to them. So um, it's just it's it's just knowing that they're human beings, even though they have authority, they 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 understand family, they understand having a child, and so that commonality could get the conversation going on. What what would you like to do? Because you are the mother at the end of the day, you know. And if I was in your shoes, I would want the same option. And so I, I just appreciate John, uh, Jaleel showing me <laughs> that I can grow, over, overcome my fears, so to speak. <laughs> and it, I didn't know I could do it, but he's shown me as a mother, hey, I need you to speak up because I can't. Absolutely. And so I was forced to. I was forced to. <laughs> all, all these different learning curves, hey? Now you become, you're becoming a different person because of it all as well. So. But it's hard, you know, when you're dealing with something like that, it's really hard because you know that you have to take the emotion out of what you're dealing with right now and just Mm -hmm. act on it rationally. 
but it's yes. so hard to do that, especially when it comes to your family. Definitely. You know, but in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, this is what I have to do. And this is how it's going to happen. And then it's kind of like going back to like how you had your whole life planned out. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> got to just plan out, plan out Jaleel's life now. So yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing too, that's so important. It's like, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for research and knowledge. Knowledge is power and knowledge is empowering as well. You know, as soon as yes. you understand more about the chronic illness, the disease, the treatments, the medical care, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the more that you can like advocate for what you're going through, what, what Jaleel is going through, what I'm going through, et cetera. But the more that you'll know what's the right path as well, which is huge. Yes. And there's so much knowledge out there. There's so many books. There's so many documentaries that you don't have to stay ignorant about it. And the doctors, the care team, I'm sure they don't mind printing out material for you to read. That's what they're there for. And so, like you said, if you can try to be willing or willing to feed your mind with what you're going through, I don't think it becomes as as it as fearful because you're not blindsided the more education i received about kidney disease and chronic kidney disease because this is a new journey and i I've, I've had my grandmother she had renal failure at the end of her life but she also was suffering from congestive heart failure but she would go to dialysis every like multiple times a week and she would be just so 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 tired and and in my mind, when I found out my son would have to go through dialysis, I just kept picturing my grandmother in my head and how she was so exhausted. And I was just like, I don't want that for my son. If he's going to go through this, then this is not life. But I didn't realize that there was another avenue for the dialysis to be a less invasive for him as a toddler. And that is peritoneal dialysis. Home dialysis is more gentle on the belly. And so he's actually full of energy for the most part when he's off his treatment. He's the typical toddler, busy, constantly into things. You would never know he has a treatment every night. And so I think by understanding, you know, there's other options and that not everyone, not everyone has the same side effects. And so I, I just appreciate that because at first, I was so fearful to make decisions about dialysis because all I could think about was my grandma, but that was her mm-hmm. journey, and she was much older than Jalil was, and so it was more tougher on her body, and so I'm just thankful that he showed me a different perspective of that treatment. Now, it's not long-term, of course. We're searching for a kidney donor, and that's always the goal is to get a kidney donor so that you can expand your life. And I feel hopeful through social media that Jalil would get what he needs and do timing. So it's, it's definitely been a credible ride to like see the, how he's over, overcome the chronic illness and it hasn't conquered him to the point where he's not able to develop normally as a toddler. So I'm just fortunate in that regard. That's great. And that's so cute too. I mean, it's, it's super great to hear that he's just a regular busy toddler when he's not on his treatments and he's happy and he's kind of go lucky and all that stuff, which is, which is so right. You know, it's, it's unfortunate what's happening. And I really, 
I hope that you find a kidney donor soon for him because he has such a good life to live. Yes, yes, and I, and I know he's going to get it. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's a timing process for everything. And with everything going on right now, I'm just like, I know it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. <laughs> you know, I'm not in a rush or, or, or trying to rush the process, so to speak. The fact that he's able to keep his treatments going because he just was evaluated yesterday and labs came back good and the doctors had any, didn't have any, any, anything major change with his, his medicines. And so he's definitely moving along in the journey. Now, if he was, really having issues with the dialysis I would be more like adamant about like we need a donor like quick and fast you know but the fact that he's been able to tolerate for a while and it it makes it all the difference not to rush the the process too much but trust it that it'll happen when it's divine timing all goes back to law of attraction (laughs) absolutely yep yep, yeah (laughs) that's awesome so what have you found has helped you the most up to now with, with Jaleel? And are you, are you looking at doing anything more drastic in the future? I guess you're going to be definitely doing the kidney transplant, but is there anything else? Well, what am I looking forward to? Well, he just restarted his therapies. For a while, Jaleel was on hold for his developmental therapies, meaning occupational, physical therapy, and speech. Because he had that long hospitalization, he didn't come home until he was eight months old. I'm actually looking forward to him catching up and learning how to walk independently. Right now he's taking steps with me, holding him as support. But just to be able to see him walk on his own, be able to eventually eat by mouth so that he can they can eventually take out the feeding tube along with the dialysis catheter once he gets a kidney. I'm just looking forward to just seeing a lot of the medicines start to be weaned off because he is on a lot of medicines and over time they they can have nasty side effects. And so just seeing some of the care for my son start to decrease, even though I know he's gonna have to have medicines to preserve the kidney when he gets it, seeing that some of his supplies will be gone, some of his medicines will be gone, (laughs) and eventually he'll be able to take a regular bath. Just the fun stuff that a toddler should be doing. And so I'm looking forward to that. And you mentioned the kidney transplant. We we did meet the requirements for Jalil to be listed as a a deceased donor on the deceased donor list which it takes a minute because they have to consider his labs make sure they're good his x-rays and to also make sure that he's the proper height and length since he is a toddler it's so it took us two years to get to that point and now we're meeting that expectation so if a kidney come becomes available from a deceased donor then Jalil hopefully will be called you know and and that that I think even in the podcast with that you did with Crystal she was mentioning the same same thing about like you're not knowing the time they just call they don't give you a heads up you just have to be ready you know and so (laughs) it's very spontaneous so to speak but I'm thankful and and they say to keep spreading the word for a living donor because it's easier to coordinate versus a deceased donor because it's kind of like a rush process when um, the person is 
is dead and they're trying to get the organ to the recipient in, in a timely fashion for it to work. So it, it, it's, it's definitely the best way to do it is to try to find a living donor <laughs> so that you can coordinate a scheduling time for the surgery to take place and it's not rushed. So, but that's basically what I'm looking forward to is just seeing Jalil reach his developmental milestones since he was delayed being in the hospital and just seeing him be able to be in the bathtub, like splashing water, not worrying about infecting his PD catheter. A lot of those things that some moms take for granted, I'm looking forward to. <laughs> You know, yeah. to be able to put them in the bathtub and let them play with water and soap um, because we do the traditional uh, sponge bath right now to keep him from getting infected. So, so many things to gain from this journey that I'm, I know is in hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. has to take a while. It take a minute, but we're almost there. Mm -hmm. I know when you have your daughter, you're going to be like, that's it. I'm ready for it. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just so grateful, Becky, because like I said, this yeah. has been this has been a, a really a blessing, like a, a joy, because this uh, at 20 weeks initially, because I just had my 20 week scan, I was super anxious, super anxious because of what we experienced with Jalil. And even though I was talking to some of the birth team, they were saying every pregnancy is different every pregnancy is different you can't go back and say oh it's going to be the same you know don't even do that to yourself even with law of attraction don't even manifest that <laughs> you know yeah, exactly and your are like we're not the one in five to seven thousand this time we are yeah <laughs> no no and then well, the first thing i asked the the ultrasound technician i'm like how's the fluid how's the amniotic fluid she's like normal normal i'm like okay it's a good day <laughs> Because yes. she wanted to know, she was like, yes, and she wanted to know if I wanted to know about the girl or the boy. I'm too concerned about the amniotic fluid. I don't care about the sex right now, That's you know, so because, but yeah, yeah it's just You're the here, trauma right? of it all. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so just to know, yeah, just to it's know just like, that she's thriving. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. The person's probably like, yeah, the ambiotic fluid's fine. Do you do you want to know if it's a boy or a girl? Like, is that the thing you want to know? That's so funny. Yeah, that wasn't even in my mind at the first. I'm like, fluid, how's the kidneys? How's the bladder? How's the lungs? I'm thinking medical, medical, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and Check all the organs. <laughs> yes, yes. And so thankfully it's been like a breath of fresh air yeah. and she's doing just fine I can feel her moving before like with Jaleel I couldn't feel him moving now I know why because he didn't have any fluid around him to move and kick and so that's the biggest indicator you know if someone's listening to this um when it comes to lower urinary tract obstruction that was an indicator for me it's like something's not right you know I had it in my intuition but I just didn't know really what it was because it was my first time being pregnant and so but feeling her move early at 13 weeks and still kicking and still moving around and the belly just reassures me everything is fine just breathe enjoy this pregnancy and, and trust that everything's gonna flow just fine <laughs> and separate your your journey with Jaleel and hers mm -hmm. because they're totally opposite so mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's hard to let go of that fear because you're right. It's like PTSD. It's trauma, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, and ever since that scan, I've really just hung on to the healthy report because um, the birth team was just telling me, like, you're having a boring pregnancy. I said, I'll take boring. Yeah, no <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll, I'll take boring any day. Yeah. And we just went through loops with Jaleel. Went through so many loops, and we're still going through loops. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. Still, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sure that day when she was like, "No, everything's fine, everything's good." Like the weight that you felt off your shoulders. Was oh like yeah, huge. Yes, yes. I like I said, I was carrying it up into the time she reported a healthy report because she went over everything. Like that was that was the the 20 week anatomy skin I was talking about with Jaleel. She did that two weeks ago and so she checked everything from making sure that there was no signs neurologically to the spine like spine uh spine bifida and all of that you know she was very thorough and so I, I knew that when she was telling me all this because there's so many things that can happen unfortunately when you're carrying a baby and mm-hmm. so when she told me that everything was looking good and she was just growing and just to take it easy, I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. And so it's been a blessing. But like I said, I don't discredit my son's journey because he's got his own life path. He's got his own journey. And at first I couldn't see that. I'm like, oh, my God, like, Jaleel, you know, you wanted a hard road. But I understand now because he's, he's built for it even at the age of two. And so I think too, we have to understand when we're battling chronic illness, even though it's difficult, that we are, we are meant to endure it. Mm-hmm. And that there's so much more that we can give from this. And, and it goes back to our conversation is, is spreading the awareness like you're doing with this podcast is, is giving you that fire to say, let me spread awareness on different chronic illnesses because I have one too, you know? And so if you didn't have that burden or that load to carry, then it wouldn't give you that sense of urgency to fulfill your purpose or your destiny on earth. And so yeah. I think we have to really see the bigger picture, so to speak. There's, it's bigger than the surface of the mm-hmm. physical illness. There's something that is meant to help you do, whether that's advocate for other people that's dealing with chronic illness, which you're doing, or whether it's for me to get outside of my comfort zone and be able to talk to Nikki moms, special needs moms that I would never talk to had I not been in this situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's bigger than the actual illness. So, but I, it took a while for me to see that. <laughs> Two years later, yeah. I'm starting to see it. So, well, yeah. And I think that it's really hard to come to that, finally actually get to that point because it is so negative and it is so hard. And when you deal with chronic pain for such a long time, or when you deal with doctors on a ring, it just puts more and more and more of a burden on your body. And you're just, it's overwhelming. It's exhausting. It is all the negative emotions out there. So when you can come out the other side and say like, okay, this is what I went through. I don't want mm-hmm. people to go through what I went through. So this right. Can how can I, how can I do something for them to make sure that they don't go through what I went through? Because what I went through was bullshit. <laughs> oh yeah. 
yeah definitely definitely and it's definitely. but it is hard you know when you when you're dealing with you know everything in that first two years that you had to deal with with Jaleel it's like the fact that you've been able to take all of that and flip it right upside down and turn it into a positive and be grateful and just believe in the law of attraction, believe in the divine energy and all that stuff and believe that mm -hmm. he is going to be better, you know, mm -hmm. and being mm -hmm. able to not only accept that for yourself, but believe that for other people going through what you're going through as well. Right. Yeah. And I, I call it the, the, the calm side. Cause like I said, I wasn't trying to advocate for anybody but us in the beginning, <laughs> and, and, and to be real, you know, I'm, I'm I'm all about saving my son's life, and so I couldn't see, you know, you later on you're gonna talk you're gonna talk to other Nikki moms, or some Nikki moms are gonna reach out to you because they identify your story and resonate with it. I can see that. I can see that. I was trying to like just just try to get my son to come out the womb breathing <laughs> you know and that took that took a minute and then once we got over the challenges of him breathing on his own now we got to focus on the kidneys and dialysis training and so it was just a lot to take in and so I would I would not say like for a person who just found out that they were diagnosed with this illness don't feel like oh I'm not in the position to help anyone I'm trying to help myself that that's a normal normal feeling because I've, I've been there several times <laughs> until we got to a place where we were one year at home with no readmissions i didn't start feeling like i could help anyone else because i was trying to master keeping my son home after several months of being in the hospital and so i feel like you should definitely be patient with yourself and you may not see the full circle of what what you're going through like the the bigger purpose of it but eventually it will appear and and for us it, it appeared in so many different ways like I, I I really appreciate it now before it was just like this doesn't make sense make it make sense you know because <laughs> right now I'm going through hell and I I don't know how I'm gonna make it I don't see myself strong you know, and why me? You know, I was going through that why me journey. <laughs> why me? Everybody around me is having healthy pregnancies. Why not me? You know, mm -hmm. and so those are valid feelings. And I always say, don't, don't, uh, don't remove those feelings. Feel those feelings because it, it, it helps you through the, the process that you're trying to comprehend your illness. Absolutely. So, I think that it helps you kind of come out the other side in a stronger way because you know, there's always the good and bad to every situation. It's just a matter of being able to understand both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the negative and the positive. Mm -hmm. And so I, I truly believe, like, now seeing Jalil and his journey, I'm, I'm like, wow, it's more positive than it's negative. The only negative aspect was, you know, the, the medical intervention, the extent, the extent of it. And, and not knowing whether we made the right decisions as parents <laughs> to put our son through all this. Yeah. And, um, but now I can see it was worth it. But at first I felt like I was, I was, I was giving him more pain than he deserved as an infant. Because it's at the end of time, at the, at, at the end of the day, it is 
we give the consent for treatment. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of surgeries back to back. And I was just wondering, is this too much for Jalil? Mm -hmm. And am I fighting too much for him? But now I see like it was worth the fight because he has that fight naturally in him. Otherwise he wouldn't be here. And so I, 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 it's, it's so much more than what's on the surface is really all I can say about that. But um, it takes a while for you to see that positive light. It took a while for us to see it. So. Absolutely. Well, could you give any more uh, advice for our listeners? Oh, well, I would just say be open to any resources like this podcast, Cure Chronic. Man, I think it's a, a beautiful thing that you're doing to be able to shine light on different chronic illnesses so we can be more aware and be able to know that we're not alone. So finding your community is essential to your healing from a mental, emotional, physical aspect because what you may not be getting from the doctor, there's other resources that you can get. There's other tools that you can receive if you just open your heart and mind up to it, whether it be collaborating with a social worker, whether it be collaborating with home health nurses, if you have the ability with your insurance to coordinate that. You, you, if you can be open to the, the resources and tools that are out there, I think that I can help help with the burden of the chronic illness itself because we 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 receive so many resources becky from being in cincinnati and even here back in arkansas and i just was like blown away but if i was cut off and my i was reserved and not optimistic i don't think those resources would have came so quickly our way but it seemed like the social worker was giving us information every day about what we could do while we're there in Cincinnati and what we can do while we're here back home in Arkansas. And so I just would say to the listeners, just know that there's other resources besides your care team. Of course, they're a huge resource in your care and definitely take all their information that they provide to you. But also know that there are other resources, nonprofit organizations, podcasts, that you may be able to find a community, Facebook groups that you may be able to feel like someone gets you because it is definitely lonely and, and with chronic illness and it, you can find yourself in depression. And I'm really all about protecting the mental health aspect. And I, I feel like talking is therapeutic to your healing even though you're going through the physical pain when you talk about it when you're able to share your story with others and be able to pull from their energy i think it fuels you to fight on and so that's what the advice i would give to those who are listening to the podcast i think that's huge especially with the mental illness side because you know you don't realize how much it affects your mental well-being being sick or watching someone be sick or whatever. And when you can recognize that you need to take care of yourself in order to have a healthy mental well-being, well, it makes it so that you can accept your situation more and be a, hopefully get better or help people get better and that sort of thing. So I definitely think that 
you know, the mental, mental wellness side of it is huge. Oh yeah. And, and be open to the counselors. Uh, I know with COVID situation, there's a lot of counselors that are willing to do free consultations and willing to work with you on a, on a payment plan since it's financially hard for a lot of people. So just know that there is counseling available too for you to feel heard. If you're not feeling heard from your doctor, reach out to a counselor and be able to take that pressure mentally off you so that you can start to heal and process what you're being told from your care team. And so it's definitely, I I truly believe like the mental part is just as important as the physical because sometimes we're so caught up in the physical aspect (laughs) that we lose our mind in the process. Yes, exactly. 100%. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your advice, Tanisha. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Yes, they can definitely... My handle is Medical Moms of NICU. I can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And once again, that Medical Medical Moms of NICU is really just a community of courageous NICU moms where we share our NICU story, our resources that we found helpful, our questions, and just give advice to new NICU moms and special needs moms. And so you're welcome to join. It's a Facebook group, private Facebook group. All you have to do is answer a few questions, but Medical Moms of NICU is where I can be found. And Jaleel's journey, he can be found on Jaleel is my joy 2020. And right now I'm just, like I said, advocating for him to find a living donor. And it's just been very helpful on Instagram to find a few people that are willing to share his story and a few of them, Insta, Insta Kidney, as well as Ki- Kidney Connect and Get Loud for Kidneys have been huge in getting the word out of, along with my family and friends. So if you want to know more about my son's journey, definitely look him up. Jaleel is my joy 2020. And I'm just thankful, Becky, for this opportunity. It's been a pleasure just talking to you. And I look forward to connecting with you offline. <laughs> now that I know that you're going through Crohn's disease, I'll definitely keep collaborating with you and seeing how we can encourage each other. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. <laughs> and we'll definitely have your contact information in the details of the podcast here. So. Okay, sounds good. Perfect. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our lovely listeners, that's all for this episode. And Tanisha and I are off like a word of kids. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.